Hello everyone and welcome to the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things real housewives. My name is James Evans and she is one of the ugliest human beings in the world for co-hosting a podcast with me! It's Ellie Dunn! <laughs> That's what That's I was going to do! <laughs> I, knew I was it. just saying to James, I thought I thought I was introducing this week, and I've been working on my one of the ugliest people impressions. But I was also going to start by going, "Hello, everybody! Hi, this is Ellie, my best friend in the world, and this is Dolores, my other best friend in the world." <laughs> speaking of speaking of Dolores, mm-hmm. I have decided that I would like to be Dolores. You know how we're always like, you're a bit Luann, you're a bit Sonia. Yeah. I would like to be Dolores. Okay. I would be content being full Dolores. I'm not saying she's on the right side of every argument, but I think that she carries herself with enormous grace. When she gets pissed, I'm often behind her. I think her relationship with Frank has beautiful mirror images to mine with my ex-boyfriend, but also I oh. think I'm a bit in love with Frank and I kind yeah. of just want to marry him. Okay. And... I just love their whole family dynamic and I just think she's wonderful. Yeah. No, okay. I see it. Okay. You sort of like won me over there. I was like, Ellie, yep. I think you're underselling yourself with Dolores. Nope. But yeah, no. Okay. Yeah. okay. All right. Yeah. You're... Ick been Dolores. This is a very Dolores <laughs> reaction to what I just said. Like, no, I I, I won't be swayed. Nope. No, I stand by. I'm, I'm loyal I am Dolores. to the core. It's who I am. And I think I would be a bit of a Dolores in the show that I think I'm quite muted. Quite often it cuts to her response when there's a big fight going on and she doesn't involve herself. She just her face really mirrors like the level of how shocking it is. And I think that's what I would be. But I'd like to see you because Dolores is very, I don't know she's very cut and dry with a lot of things, but she's old school. She's got the Italian passion, you know. When oh, you, you want to see me be like, if she said it about me, I would be knocking her fucking teeth out. I'd love to see you. You know, like the bit in um the posh fashion show where Melissa's like, oh, Dolores, you're going to put up with this. And then Dolores is like, yes, I am. That's right. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> It gets right in her face. Like, it's like a jolt straight through <laughs> my inner I think I do have that <laughs> snapping point. Andy and I are obsessed at the moment with being like, welcome back, scumbag. How you scumbag. doing? Scumbag. You're scumbag. She's a starving You're hungry okay bitch. doing okay today? Scumbag. She's... <laughs> what would you like bit... for breakfast? Scumbag. <laughs> There's a bit in a couple of seasons time. I'm not going to give anything away, but it's like a bit of a physical fight. And you just said Dolores in the background afterwards going, that's old school stripper fighting right there. It's old school stripper fighting. That's what it is. Now, I've, I've been in this part of the zoo before, and this is I've seen some strippers fighting in my day. She's, she's golden. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate Dolores again now. She's golden. And actually, if there's one thing I could fault Dolores on, potentially it is in this season eight, her quite blind loyalty to Siggy, who... Ladies and gentlemen, we have a new villain on the podium. <laughs> Introducing Miss Siggy Flecker. Come on out. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> good Lord. Can, before we get into the discussion of season eight today, can we briefly, can you fill us in on your pilgrimage, if you will, with Macy to the Holy Land? <gasps> of course. Ah, uh, we, oui, but of course. So <laughs> for those who don't know, because I don't think we mentioned, the reason that James and I didn't record last week, so we were actually like ships that pass in the night, 
Yeah. We were briefly in the same building. I was in New York very quickly for like five days. James was in Chicago for a, but it was a whole thing. So it's a whole, it's a whole thing. We only managed to scrape in like one dinner and then one morning together. And we were all, I lugged my tiny little microphone all across New York. But you know what? <laughs> <laughs> we got our bagels, we got our coffee and readers we just had too much to oh, readers i always say that listeners we just had too much to uh, it's too much it's too much to ca- it's too much we had too much to catch up on and the podcast suffered and, and for that i'm truly sorry as but as it always does <laughs> man are, man are we gonna treat you today because oh, not only do boy. we have a a season eight bumper, bumper. App, but <laughs> also i come bearing news <laughs> i come I come with a tale, the tale. A tale it is of of Ridgewood. <laughs> is it Ridgewood? That's in um. I mean, maybe there's a Ridgewood, New Jersey. There's a Ridgewood in Queens. There's probably a Ridgewood in New Jersey. No, I've I've oh I've bottled it. I can't remember. No, let me look it Ridgeway up. I'm or, not... or Ridgewood. I think it's Ridgewood. Let's look. Ridgewood. It's Ridgewood. It is Ridgewood. It will yeah. come as no surprise to anyone listening that Macy Niven was behind this. And once again... <laughs> our roving reporter on the ground. Our, ro- our roving reporter. <laughs> She's a bit like, um, what was it called? Test Annika or whatever. What was that oh. show called? Where everyone oh, made like... Annika Rice do stuff. Yeah, yeah, Challenge yeah. Annika, Challenge Test Annika. Annika. <laughs> we're really showing our age here. I like to think in the boardroom where they came up with that show, they were like, mm, test, test Annika, ask Annika, Challenge Annika. Challenger, that's the one. But yeah, so Macy came up with a day trip in our whistle stop <laughs> sort of trip in New York to go to New Jersey. But what we discovered is that New Jersey is much more spread out than we were expecting. So it's not the kind of thing where you can hop on a train and and hit all of the hot spots of the show. We had to be quite selective. And we'd narrowed it down to three options. We were either going to visit the Brownstone or we were going to go to the restaurant where Teresa flipped the table or we were going to go and visit Envy by Melissa Gorga. And in the end, Envy won out. I think by default, not because it's the most worthy of the visits, really, is it? I think it was the one we felt that we would get to like bring something back from. That's true. I feel like the Brownstone, as amazing as it would be, it's not exactly, it's like a banquet hall, isn't it? So you probably turn up. Yeah, and, it's like, like what would we do there? Or, yeah, you're just like, and there it is. Exactly. And also it was like Memorial Weekend. So we were like, right. anyway, up we got. And onto Penn Station and onto a train and then onto another train and then there might have been a third train. And we arrived in Ridgewood and I kid you not, as <laughs> we stepped off the train and walked up to Envy by Melissa Gorga, it was honestly like a crack opened up in the clouds and the heavens. <laughs> and having been in like 30 degree heat in New York with our little sort of bandanas and sunglasses, what I can only describe as the apocalypse started. <laughs> Appropriate. But literally from from like naught to 100, as I was taking a picture of Macy outside Envy, the thunder rolled in <laughs> over our heads, the lightning. It was so epic. The hail started to come down. I like to think that in the breeze, you could hear like, get away from this place. There's no good that can come from here. Like, it was just the, siren, the old sirens yeah. thing. It was like, hasp, 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 so in we scuttled to envy and what became very clear so you're taking refuge in this place yes and we thought oh thank god we've got envy to to while away the storm yeah only to discover that envy was rubbish 
<laughs> Not just the clothes they were selling, but the merch was rubbish. And we're both a big fan of merch. And honestly, you've never seen anything like Mace and I picking up each bit of merch and being like, no. And we were forcing ourselves to buy some because we were like, we can't have come all this way on an hour and a half journey right. to Envy by Melissa Gorga and not take something with Envy written on it back. Mm-hmm. In the end, we had to settle on two matching... <laughs> 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 On two sort of terracotta matching cropped jumpers. <laughs> to say envy in massive letters on the front, which I can promise you I will never wear. And I was sad as I bought it. Did you try it on out of interest? Yeah, of course I did. Okay. How cropped is it? Pretty cropped. I mean, what do you want? Like, rib? I don't know. Just I'm just imagining like underboob. No, no. Oh, okay. Come on now. Well, I mean, on me, probably underboob because my <laughs> boobs are enormous. So it's like everything, anything cropped is underboob. Okay. We also, I fell in love with a pair of earrings that said Envy. Oh, I love this. That were on the side. Next to a sign saying Melissa Gorga. Melissa Gorga, boss, boss bitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a bit of an odd moment. I don't, I don't know if it was like the air pressure of the storm or something, but without thinking, I just sort of put one of them in my ear, which... I am aware now is is very no, unhygienic. No. Mm, like trying on a pair of pants. But in the moment, I wasn't really thinking. I know, but in my head, I was like, I was thinking, I think, I assume that it's like the hole in your ear is sealed up on the inside. So I, I wasn't thinking, I'm like, what are you sharing? Ear crust? It's a or- living, breathing organism. Oh, gee. Anyway, I put this earring on and I was like, I'm going to get this. This is brilliant. And then the woman who didn't see me put the earring in, <laughs> but she was like, oh no, those aren't for sale. Those are, those were actually made for Melissa. And I was like, why would you put them out? Everyone must come in and be like, I'll get those. <laughs> it was just... I like to think that normally it's in like a glass box with lasers all around it for protection. Yeah, but I'm kind of thrilled that I imagine Melissa put them in her ears as well. And so... You've I feel like we're just one DNA. step closer. Yeah. We've shared ear gunk. <laughs> I just love oh, the idea thrilling. that on the counter, there's basically like a mini museum to Melissa Gorga. A little like shrine. A shrine, yeah. if you will, where you pay your respects. And pay we did, because I'm telling you, that merch was expensive. I bet. <laughs> Thank you for that. For tacky the merch we will never wear. <laughs> we bought James a cap. And it looks great. By this point, we it. were kind of, we were like stuck in envy because... The storm raged on and our plan of walking around Ridgewood was kind of scuppered. So we had to just sort of run from one pasta restaurant to a pizza restaurant and sort of eat bits and bobs. And there was a point where we were sat in our matching jumpers eating this pizza. and It was just very <laughs> sad. <laughs> I was kind of mortified. But what struck me is that no one working at Envy or anywhere in the vicinity seemed to put a connection together that you two might have come as like fans of Melissa Gorga. They didn't seem to be prepared for Housewives fans. It's like that you were the first people to ever do that. No, it was quite strange. The woman who worked there, when we said we were there because it was Melissa's shop, seemed to think we would know, was like, oh, that's such a shame she's not in here. Like, it's such a shame she's not here today because she'd have been thrilled. And I that surprised me. And then this other woman <laughs> who owned a shop nearby, <laughs> she was like asking what we were doing in Ridgewood and I said oh it's really embarrassing and there was a beat and she went what you're lost <laughs> and I thought that sort of says it all about their town yes. <laughs> like, you must be here because you're lost 
Right. We were like, no, no, we're here because we love the Real Housewives of New Jersey. And she was like, the what? And we were like, the Real Housewives of New Jersey. And she had no idea what we were talking about. So they clearly don't get like hordes. Part of me likes to think that since she moved in, it's like gone to shit. It's like Hill Valley in that alternate 80s where Biff Tannen runs the joint. Melissa Gorg is like some tyrant that's like run the town into the ground and like no good from Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Hardly a day trip, was it? You were there in sun, (laughs) in wind, in rain. It felt like a day trip. I was quite ready to leave after I'd finished my pizza and Mace really insisted that we um, take another like hour to walk around, which we did and and we were done quite quickly. And then we got three very crowded trains home that um, we were wiped. I had a very deep nap that afternoon. I bet. I like to think you did it all on foot. And it was like, you know, the bit in um, Notting Hill where it's like shows the years going, like the seasons going by. And it's like, ain't no sunshine when she's gone. And like the two of you just like hunched over, like walking through the snow. Like and then the, battling like, the through falling. the wind. Yeah. Like you're both dressed like a couple of babushkas with like little hoods on. Like, but in our matching envy jumpers. Line. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Laden with merch on your back. Yep, that's exactly. God, I I was seething with jealousy. I I've seething. Well, now you know how it feels. I know, yeah. I hope you've tasted your own yeah. medicine, and it's bitter. I agree. We like to think that Macy's taking up this sort of Iago role at the moment, where it's like she's playing James and I off against each other, and she's yes. taking us individually on these trips, and then sort of pouring poison in our ear. <laughs> was she going on? Was she saying to you, like, James is shit, get rid of him? That's what she was doing to me. She was like, the impressions are good, but the content is bad. It's shit. He's not very likeable. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you and I did it. Well, you carry the discussions, apparently. Yeah, well, I, this is what I mean. It's already started. <laughs> we had dinner at the end of the day when I got back and she was like, James is the impressionist, but like Ellie has the content. She does the discussions. James might start them, but he can't finish them. Which, yeah, <laughs> We've just both left completely yeah. destroyed. Yeah, It feels like one of those plays like the government inspector where at the end she just like leaves us in smithereens and then like <laughs> <laughs> sort of... Uh... We're just like left to pick up the pieces like we're in a Tennessee Williams or something. Uh, <laughs> it's really unnerved me, this WhatsApp group that she has with other Housewives fans. I genuinely think she's going to muscle in and then she's going to kick us out and then bring on another person as a co-host. At this point, I'm a bit like, let her. I mean, let the burden is yeah, great. Right, she doesn't right, understand yeah. the responsibility. I agree. We need a holiday in Cabo. Anyway, uh, pff, she says after taking three trips this year. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm like, a holiday from what? <laughs> like, you and all your business, don't business, business has been bad. <laughs> anyway, season eight. Eight, season eight, da, 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 the season eight. So season eight kicks right off with them going on holiday, doesn't it? Oh, it's great. As sad as I am to say goodbye to Jacqueline and the Wikileaks, it was such a necessary evil. It suddenly it's so feels necessary. We've like cast away the last bits oh, of Deadwood and we're absolutely. suddenly in a new era. It feels fresh. The drama's more evenly spread out. I don't think it's a coincidence that I'm really racing through the seasons now. And I do, it makes me realise that it's partly because of having more time, but it is partly because it's much more watchable. And I was having to slog through the other seasons. I think there's also something to be said for a smaller episode order as well. I think this season it was like 13 episodes in a two-part reunion. You're Mm. in and out. Mm, 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 No mm. fanning about with like a 25 episode season. It's a great reunion as well. It is a really good one. Danielle looks amazing. No? Okay. Oh my God, I can't wait to talk about the return of Danielle. Okay. So where do we want to kick off? Well, we open up 
very somberly actually with the news that Teresa's mother oh, of course, has um, unfortunately passed away a couple of weeks beforehand. So she's in a very delicate place and the ladies decide to cheer her up and go on vacation together to Boca, which is where Siggy has her second home. And it also happens to be Melissa Gorga's birthday. So it's kind of like mm. our first big trip of the season. And we're joined by a new housewife, Margaret Josephs, who Margaret. Know, is a friend of a friend of Siggy. And she apparently also mm. happens to be in Florida for business. So Siggy's like, come on down. So Margaret Josephs joins as well. Also, just to say that, so we've got Margaret Joseph, mm-hmm. her mum, Marge. Marge. <laughs> and her husband, Joe. Joe. Another yeah. Joe. Yeah. Which means he is Joe Joseph. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's Joe Benigno. Benigno. So where does Joseph come from? Well, maybe that's is her that maiden her name. Surname? Joseph's okay. is, uh, I think, I think. It's I just couldn't name. get over that. She's like, a modern she's woman. She's Margaret and the mum is no, Margaret. Jo- it's just like, jo- why jo- do you all have the same name? <laughs> <laughs> Margaret. 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 And Marge. Let, let's and talk. Oh, that was good. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I know. Yeah, take that, Macy. So yeah, we were talking about, I think we we're talking about her impressions. <laughs> and it's a very specific way of talking. And... I'm trying to, there's definitely a lot of different facets that go into it. And I think she has that kind of air of, she doesn't have uh, an underbite, but there's just something about like, there's something very forward about the way she talks. She said everything, everything, she, yeah, everything's very down here. And it's very kind of like staccato. Yeah. And it's like she doesn't really take breaths. Yeah, she doesn't take breaths. She has that Bethany Frankel thing where it's like... Everything's just like a stream of conscious thing, which is like, oh, sorry, girls, sorry, sorry. I, I just came straight from the airport. I, I got off a flight from Vegas I, and I stink. Joe, Joe, I stink. Smell my pits. Joe, okay, okay, not that much. Joe, you, you kinky son of a gun. Mar- Marge Cena, what, 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 what is the latest on your love life? Is, 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 is the going to get any action down there? Show some puss, Marge Cena. Come on. It's so good, except the odd word. Flight. Just get a flight. I just, I just get a big flight. <laughs> <laughs> It's like 90% amazing and they're just <laughs> with this little sprinkling. <laughs> you said it was like Cartman off the bottom. Smell my beats. Like, it's, it's very, it's, it's like, I get to go to school. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, God. That made me laugh. Oh, she's so um, Yeah. So we have new, so new housewife. So we've got March. new Margaret. And... I think not to go immediately. Let's just talk about her for a second. I think she's really good at casting. And for me, she's kind of lives in the same world as as a Dorinda Medley in the sense that she's come on later yeah. in the game and she's a very fully realized character that's easily communicable and is very charismatic and telegenic in a way that doesn't seem put on. And also she doesn't tread on the toes of any other existing... No. There's a freshness where... I do, I like Margaret. I like her much more. Now I'm watching season nine, I really feel like I've got to know her, where I think the first time I really liked her in season eight, I mean, this is jumping ahead a bit, but that diner meetup with Siggy, when when she suddenly goes quite genuine and is like, look, I, I, actually, I really wouldn't want to hurt your feelings. I think she is very authentic. And I think you're right that she has that. I mean, she's got a Dorinda quality, but she's sort of the opposite of Dorinda, which is that where Dorinda's just like incredibly emotional. I mean, Dorinda's more like Siggy in a way. Yeah. And just like loves so hard and cries so hard and hurts so hard and stuff. Margaret's more like Bethany, that it's like 
she's just quite cutting and quite like oh I yeah. didn't know that you were going to take no, that, yeah. that personally yeah yeah personalities are different yeah I just I guess I meant more in a sort of casting sense just that feeling of like where yeah. have you been all this time totally like, you're great but why oh why is her incredibly tacky accessories company called Macbeth the Macbeth collection. It's so weird. I kind of liked it. It's, it feels very literary. I don't. I don't know what the reasoning is, or like it's not like she's Scottish or anything. Or... I just can't get my head around neon pink purses where it's like the Macbeth collection. I kind of. And every t- <laughs> every kind time of... they're like, Ew, the Macbeth collection. They, every time they say it, I find it so jarring. I mean, what I find more jarring is the fact that it's apparently a multi-million-dollar business. Um, yeah. When it literally looks like the stuff that they sell in London, in central London, especially near like tube stations, you get a lot of kind of market stalls that just sell lots of like neon phone cases and things like that. And it it all feels like it was shipped from there. The next season, they go on a girl's trip to Clapham to buy supplies. <laughs> they've, they've done Milan now. Exactly. <laughs> Where the real goods are. Talking about tacky though, I feel like, yes. And I feel like her clothing often is a reflection of that. And I don't mean to immediately go to a place of let's talk about her looks, but I think Margaret has one of the, I know this is like a subjective term, but like one of the realist bodies of a woman of her mm. age that we've seen on these shows, I think. Yeah. She's like very milkmaideny. She's all curves and hips and she's, she's always joking about her cankles and she's very unapologetic about it. And I think it's very clear that Joe thinks that she is the most beautiful creature on God's green earth. And she carries herself as such. Like, you really feel like, in his mind, she is a goddess and she's worshipped, and quite rightly. And I think she dresses in such a way where her breasts are spilling out of these little, like, lacy tops and she wears this bright garish pattern and she has her hair in pigtails all the time. And it's it's inevitably more misses than hits. But I think there's, like, a method to her madness because everything she does is to not sartorially recede into the background which totally considering that she's a demographic that is already kind of semi-invisible on tv is quite a radical thing i couldn't i couldn't agree more i think that's so true and i think his love for her and even just the way they met and this whole like he was the contractor on her house and like there's something so it's so cute it's like they were existing a kind of b-roll porn film or something and i just love it with her like bunches i know it was was like a porn i was like the wife at home yeah he was the (laughs) he was the contractor and then we just had sex. We just had loads of sex all over the house when, when Jed was away. But you're right. You can kind of imagine her wearing like a gingham sort of breasty milkmaid outfit. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's fab. And I think she's a really strong addition to the show. But it is quite unclear because she is like a friend of a friend of Siggy's. We don't get that thing. It's quite like old school whenever like Luann would introduce someone and it's right, clear yeah. that they don't know them at all. <laughs> Whereas... Mm-hmm. Before that, it's been, with people like Dolores, it's been much more of a sense of like, this person's been in my life for 16 years, it makes sense for them to be on the show. And this is one of the first times that someone comes in where no one seems to really know them. Which I think was probably a necessary thing to do. As much as I'm a big proponent of, if you have genuine connections, it's always going to be more fruitful in terms of the drama. You got the sense that the producers really felt like they needed to step away, at least for a season, from old school Italian mentality. They needed to mix it up with like a new perspective. And I think that's a really interesting dynamic and one that we see going forward into the seasons, especially when Jackie joins later on, of these women who 
they have a very modern family. Mm. Margaret coming onto the show, who freely admits to having left her husband for the contractor and having this almost ab fab relationship with her mother, mm. where she, where the roles are inverted, is so distinct to the experiences of Teresa and Dolores, who've been raised in the old school mentality of you know you have respect for your parents, which borderlines on mm. fear really, and staying in unhappy marriages and shutting up because it's the right thing to do. And even though Dolores is partially broken out of that world and Teresa is showing the first signs of it maybe the two of them do sometimes seem to view Marge's family life with this mixture of bemusement and jealousy it's almost like she's some sort of alien that they find fascinating and repulsive in equal measure yeah and I think there's it's a similar thing when Jackie comes on next season and she reveals that she doesn't talk to her sister and Teresa of course as a knee-jerk reaction finds the thought of that absolutely reprehensible because family is what's important you know it's just this rote phrase that they've been trained to trot out immediately after another punch up at a baptism. But as a viewer, after watching years at this point of exhausting intra-family drama and pointless therapy scenes that don't go anywhere, there gets to a point where you're just like, I don't care if your family, you're all very toxic for each other. Just stop talking to one another. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. Sorry, I just said a lot there, but I think it's really fascinating as a seed that's been planted here when it comes to the future dynamic of the group. Shall we talk about Cake Gate? Yes, yes. So right. we go to Boca and it is like Siggy took a pill. Yeah. It's like her frequency got like turned up to like 200 hertz or something where it's right. just like, it's a lot. She runs around like she's the mayor of Boca, but it seems to be reciprocal. Yeah. Like she walks in and everyone's like, woo! I know, cheering. it's like, like freaking cheers. It's like yeah, she comes in and everyone's like, everyone's like, hey! <laughs> and she's like running up to tables like, hi, hi, I'll get, got, I'm going to, I'm going to be back in just a second. Hi, oh my God. And then she like comes back with someone's food and she's like, I got us food. Oh my God, I stole that food. What am I like? And then you just get Margaret and all the girls being like, it's a bit much. I think it's, I think where they're right about it being a bit much is that it's, I don't mind Siggy's connection to the place. It's that she does slightly sort of abandon the girls each time. It's quite demonstrative rather than being like, these are my friends, meet my friends, like I'm going to leave you. It's like, I would be pretty annoyed if a friend took me to a party and walked in and everyone was like, oh my God, you're here. And then they just like ran off and spent the evening like showing me how popular. It's like, well, she does have kind of a responsibility to the group. I think I would find it quite draining. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, I agree. But I think she would disagree in the sense that she feels like, I think she does take the responsibility of hosting the group trip really seriously. I really sympathize with her because I imagine in a much more keyed down way, I would probably react the same way to Siggy. Not that this has happened to me, but I can really imagine taking a group of my friends somewhere that means a lot to me, where I have a lot of happy memories and I'm really excited to show it to them. And when they don't quite act the way that I expected them to react, I would be really hurt by that. No, I I agree. I would feel that as well. So when we go into Melissa's birthday dinner... By the way, sorry, I just think we do have to preface this by saying that the other thing that we've been showed at the beginning of the series is that Siggy has gone from relationship expert. I mean, I need to know who gave her that title because I don't know where that comes from. It came from the school of life. But she's now like professional public speaker. But her public speaking is just her listing. It's literally like 
she's picked up one of those bedside table books called You Do You or whatever. And she's just like listing platitudes where it's like she's saying a load of motivational posters of being like, be the best you you can be. When (laughs) is this? Just always, like whenever it cuts to her public speaking or her like doing talks where she's like, I love it. And she like loves doing it. It is just her reading out platitudes. It's the most generic, non-specific, yeah. Know your worth. You are amazing. Walk away. Exactly. It's like, she's just like a walking Instagram account. Anyway, so at this dinner for Melissa's birthday, one of the things which I think is quite indicative of what we're going to see from Siggy all season is she makes a point of stopping the conversation to be like, I need to ask your help to everyone. Mm -hmm. What do I do? Michael Campanello, Siggy's partner, who she always insists on calling by his full name. Michael um, Campanello. Doesn't want me to work as much, but I love my work. What do I do? Mm -hmm. And then it's just this slightly frustrating thing that when they're all like, you should work as much as you want. It shouldn't be up to him how much you work. That would be controlling for him to do that. She just does that really annoying flip where it's like she asks for help, but she doesn't want any of their help or to hear it. And so then she just sort of shuts it down and does this very odd thing of like pouring a glass of wine on the table. Yeah. I just think that's a really important preface to Kate Gate because that does happen before Kate Gate. Yeah. And I think it's forgotten about. Yeah. It's a very strange reaction. It's like, it's not like she was sat there primly for the whole dinner. She's already done quite an odd bit of behavior. Yeah, we see it also in this scene when Siggy just announces, seemingly prompted by nothing, that she believes that she is the most talented person in the world. And of course, that elicits a huge eye roll from everyone. And this amazingly on-brand talking head from Melissa going, um, I can name more talented people than Siggy. One, Michael Jackson. <laughs> two, Madonna. Three, the guy who invented the light bulb. And... <laughs> Maybe I'm treading into Dolores territory here, but I, I certainly hope that Siggy's not being literal here. I think it's just another instance of Siggy taking her very therapeutic, life coachy language and transposing it onto a situation that isn't applicable. So saying I'm the most talented person in the world is the kind of thing that, you know, that you journal or you say in the mirror to yourself before you start your day. It's the kind of mantra that you perhaps work on with your therapist to get you out of bed every day and it's meant to be a private phrase just between you and yourself and certainly one that's not meant to be used in public conversation especially with the real housewives of new jersey of all people who have a tendency to take things quite literally i think what annoys me is that siggy it feels to me like she asks that question to everyone because she just wants them to all be like No, you're so good at what you do. You've got to do what you do. And when instead the conversation is met by a criticism of her partner, rather than just like a fluffing of her ego, she gets really defensive and like, no, 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 he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. And then just ends up being like... No, we're not having this conversation anymore. It's just just like... Which is interesting, isn't it? Because she's expecting the answer that she would give to the rich women who pay an exorbitant amount of money to hear her speak, which is to not actually have any answers or any like building blocks or tools that you can use to improve your situation. She just wants what she gives to women, which is just affirmation of how fabulous they are. Yeah. Exactly. That isn't particularly useful. Exactly. So I think that, and I think that feeds into Kate Gate because I think it means she's already in a bad mood because I think she's slightly resenting that she didn't get the affirmation she wanted. Yeah, that's actually, yeah, it's a very good point. Thank Thank you. you. I'm full of them. I am the most talented person in the world. (laughs) The guy invented the light bulb would differ. This uh, three-tier cake turns up. Two-tier cake turns up. That's also an important point. Very important (laughs) point in this. 
It was a two-tier cake. Quite the twist that we got at the 11th hour at the reunion. Exactly. When we realised the bottom tier was just plastic. Well, I mean, I realised the bottom tier was plastic when Teresa threw it and it oh, landed I didn't. with like a massive thud <laughs> on the paper. It was like... Could have fooled me. So Siggy has organised for this $1,000 cake to be presented to Melissa on her birthday. And it's got a beautiful shoe on the top and... I mean, to be honest, for $1,000, I would expect a better cake. I wonder if it did cost $1,000. The cake making business is a very lucrative one. I'm sure, but it was two tiers. If they get a whiff of it being a special occasion. Okay, well... But it's the artistry. There weren't even little figures on top. That Envy by Melissa Gorga wallpaper doesn't just paint itself, you know? That took hours, that's true. So... The cake is presented and what I think gets skipped in the show, as they all are very quick to say, is that they did eat the cake. And (laughs) then Melissa and Teresa start a food fight with the cake. And it's so funny because what Siggy doesn't necessarily recognise in that moment is that as a viewer, you kind of want that. Because it's one of the few quite authentic moments between them where you really feel like they get on very well. It's like, it's kind of passive aggressive, but Mm -hmm. they are both laughing and it is funny. And it's nice to see them kind of grappling, but in a playful way. Mm-hmm. And also, you're right, we've started in a very, like, sombre place with the whole show and stuff like that. And it's nice to, it's kind of the first time we see, that we see Teresa sort of... Yeah, sometimes you just need to throw a cake. It just lightens the mood. Exactly. And then there is this slightly odd moment where Teresa grabs the entire base of the cake and throws it. <laughs> like, it does go from being like, ha, ha, ha. We'd like little and then it's like, ah! yeah, Teresa. Yeah. In fairness, it is just like an innate primal urge within Teresa to just, whenever she sees any object that's not nailed mm. down to the floor, to just pick it and chuck it, whether it be like a wine glass, a table, Andy Cohen. You take over. I feel like I'm just narrating what happens at this point. I have a bitter taste in my mouth because I'm still harboring a lot of resentment against Melissa Mm. from last season and I find her particularly annoying here granted she's drunk but I suspect that drunk Melissa is who Melissa really is which is essentially just like a bit of a basic sorority girl from 2004 oh totally drunk Melissa's very annoying and as much as maybe they needed to all get along and laugh especially between Teresa and Melissa I actually find Melissa at her most compelling as a character when she's feuding with Teresa yep. and whispering, say shame, say shame. on <laughs> you, into her husband's ear. <sighs> it's also like the first time I've realised how stupid Melissa was. Like, I always sort of gave her the benefit of the doubt and assumed that she was cleverer than she is, just by virtue of standing next to Teresa. But Teresa educates Melissa twice in one season (laughs) and it's just thrown everything I thought I knew about the world completely off kilter so when I know this is like later on but when Teresa's like educating Melissa about what a bar mitzvah is and Melissa's just like oh (laughs) it was like inception I was like whoa (laughs) so we get them being annoying we get margaret being being very sexual she's 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 talking about my husband and i that we do we, we do the pot puss and it, it's a spray that you put on your puss and you let it marinate and it gives you the most incredible orgasm <laughs> and siggy thinks it's disgusting and i think regarding cake gate i think this is a really good example for me as a viewer of something where you react differently when you're on a reality show than when you do in real life so i'm of I'm team Siggy on Cakegate with the idea that I think throwing foods and pushing people in swimming pools are two things that are never funny. (laughs) Uh, I'm very dour and humorless and Victorian about it. 
I think it's really the Victorians were famously very dour about pushing people in pools. (laughs) Very frowned upon. They were not amused. I also sympathise with Siggy because of what I said before about planning a trip to somewhere that means a lot and then people seemingly aren't following your itinerary. Yeah. Having said that, I think it's that classic example on Housewives of throwing a cake across the room that I'd made for someone is something I would really be upset about if it was real life. But in the context of a reality show, this cannot be the hill that you die on. And I think, unfortunately for Siggy, not only does she die on this hill, there's then several other hills throughout that's it, the rest isn't of the season it? that she also prostrates herself on. But that's it. And I find it hard to remember what my reaction to Kate Gate was in the first place because it gets so tainted with, like, the rest of the season. I think I probably was, like, fairly on Siggy's side in terms of, yeah, I did think that would be annoying. But she does... I mean, there's that bit where she's just like, go fuck yourself, Margaret. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's just how the scene ends. And I think what becomes annoying about it and and this goes on throughout the season is it's her response to it is the thing that's annoying not the incident itself and her even the next day the fact that during Kate Gate she does also say lots of things which she then denies saying so there's like no accountability on either side yeah look I was kind of on her side with Kate Gate and even when she was saying to them at the friend's house I hope you're going to behave yourselves Mm. I'm like know your audience they're obviously going to go don't talk to me like I'm a child or whatever but mm-hmm. I would feel that with fr- if I had friends who had just behaved like that and I didn't approve that behavior, I'd find it hard if I was taking them to another friend's house the next day. And I probably would mm-hmm. be the person who'd be like, please don't embarrass me. I think it's that thing, isn't it? Everyone's sort of in the right and everyone's sort of in the wrong. Yeah. It's a hill that you're going to die on unnecessarily. But also if you do throw a cake across a restaurant and then someone says, guys, just don't act Jersey, okay, yeah. when we go to my friend's house, you can't then suddenly be like, <gasps> Yeah, yeah, exactly. And clutch your pearls and be like, how dare you? Yeah, I remember finding them all quite annoying on that front. I was like, it's one thing to kind of go, oh, but like, we all want to have fun. It's another thing to act like, don't tell me how to behave when you have just behaved. Mm -hmm. Like kids. So, yeah. So we're kind of on Ziggy's side then. And then where does Soggy Flicker come from? I'm trying to remind myself. Is it the last night in Boca? So we go to Ziggy's house for dinner. (laughs) <laughs> and sexy chef is cooking them some salty crab cakes and and we've had sexy we've had sexy lifeguard earlier that day it's a sexy episode oh yeah we've had the, the pat puss it's it's six and so we're getting a tour of siggy's place and one of them point out that there's just a wall oh my gosh yeah just festooned with pictures of siggy there's like about 20 pictures i can really hilarious. see you having one of those walls james <laughs> Comple- i never had one as a kid and i know like it was like very early noughties thing wasn't yeah exactly it? Like, black and white you're all in white and you're like rolling around on the floor laughing and i desperately wanted one and never did probably for the best but siggy i paused it and had a closer look and what's hilarious is that she clearly went in for a session and the package probably gave you like four photos that were like professionally done and framed so she got the four which are like properly framed and then the rest of them they've just been like printed out on her printer and then just like stuck on (laughs) a basic frame and then stuck onto the wall so it's like honestly like she did it and they just say like getty images across the (laughs) exactly yeah like the watermark still on it like Siggy she's just she loves she loves herself so much she's like oh give me all 10 oh I'll take them all oh that is so funny <laughs> and it's almost kind of like headshots where like one she's got like a trilby on another one she's got a guitar when she's dressed up <laughs> like a doctor when she's a clown spinning plates what headshots have you done <laughs> <laughs> 
that famous thing where it's like bring your guitar like back in the day where it's like look at my range yeah exactly (laughs) go on my spotlight i've got all my special skills i've got photos of me doing them all it's like me on a horse me speaking french with a beret (laughs) no they're like very jeers headshots exactly except with no outfit changes you're right they're just like so it reminds oh, actually no that's not even interesting I can't I, I, I was, it's not worth it sure? there's not time James so we're on to the salty crab cakes so it's just an extension of what she said that day of please behave yourselves I don't want you acting like children she's being she's just being passive aggressive isn't it's, it's like what's annoying is that Siggy does this passive aggressive thing of not letting it go it's like either just bollock them flat out mm-hmm. or let it go but she does this weird middle ground where it just makes them all constantly feel like they're being reprimanded but I think it's like a middle ground that she's trying really hard to navigate because she you know she's the relationship expert so she doesn't want to like lose her friends she loves sure. her friends too much she's a fixer so I think she's really trying to kind of find that sweet spot and she ends up calling the behaviour trashy and that does not go down well and Melissa tells on us on any housewives franchise never call no. anyone trashy you can act trashy but you can't be called trashy them's mm-hmm. are the rules of the game exactly I don't know how it comes up but Margaret has this line that she clearly been practicing in the mirror <laughs> before she joined the show where she's like Siggy Flicker better known as Saggy Flicker without the crying am I right am I right everyone it's, 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 it's a Joan line it's a Joan Rivers line like I'm, I'm the new Joan Rivers if you didn't <gasps> tell and then Siggy's like you're like an ice princess you have no compassion but also this is one of those things where Siggy Siggy and this soggy flicker thing, it's a bit like in the most recent Beverly Hills, Sutton now trying to pull this whole like, the reason I said what I said was because it was very triggering to me. Mm-hmm. I actually, I can't, why, why can't I go, I can't, can't go you from can do New it, Jersey Ellie, to Southern, I can do, do it. it. She's like, <laughs> we had a break-in when I was a child. No, that's not quite it. Come on, you could do it. You can. Do it with that? me. Uh, Kyle, I think the thing that you're not getting is that when I was a child, my father, he committed suicide with a gun in his mouth. With a gun. And I woke up in the middle of the night when I was a child and there was a break in and there was a gun. So I cannot, when I hear guns. That's why you're the impressionist. No, Ellie, come on. But the way that she's like, she's like. And so that's why I might say some stupid things when it's like, no, 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 come on, come on now. And that's the same as Siggy trying to do this whole thing of being like, I was teased for my name, where you're like, no, you just didn't like that she said Soggy Flicker. Like, you didn't like Siggy Flicker, Soggy Flicker, Sigalina, Siggy the Sea Monster, (laughs) Cigarello, Cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) Siggy, Siggy, getting jiggy with it. You see? Um, no way, I want to think. <laughs> ah, damn. I love it. You're like, no, wait, wait. No, 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 there's one in me. One more. Uh, nope, you're done. If I'm good at anything, it's pushing the joke too far. Exactly. No, it's gone. Uh, but yes, she has what begins an entire season of just completely disproportionate reactions to everything mm-hmm. that Margaret does and says. <laughs> It's so good. She's really, she has a real flair for throwing an elaborate event purely to humiliate someone. So first of all, she does it to Melissa when they all go back to Jersey, where there's like some weird pyramid scheme where her friend's selling jewellery and oh, yeah. it's like a Tupperware party or something like that. And it reminds me of the party, you know, the in Sex and the City, the one where Jennifer Coolidge 
is in the show playing the woman who's just gone through a divorce and has started making bags with like a glue gun. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. And she keeps being very like, yes. Look, little shoes. <laughs> it feels like one of those events where someone's like, someone's right. having a midlife crisis, and we're all going to be there for them. Exactly, and I feel like they all get what the deal is there. Yeah. They all just take it in turns to throw these same parties and have these midlife crises. So Melissa gets there, and it is literally a case of like, "Hi, Melissa's here. Hey, everybody, this is Melissa. I, I everybody, shut up. If I have a cake <laughs> made for you for your birthday, and it's thrown across the room, how?" How many people think that is rude? Please raise your hand. And then all these terrified women are sort of like, Ooh, as they slowly raise their hands one by one because they don't want to die. Thank you. Thank you. That's all. That's all I, that's that's all all I, I wanted. wanted. Exactly. <laughs> and Melissa stood there absolutely mortified. And I don't know why, but Melissa, because she's pretty inoffensive normally. But Melissa getting clowned is always really funny. And she's positively seething with anger and embarrassment. And not just in like a housewife's humiliated kind of way. She's genuinely humiliated. You can tell she wants to like rip off her skin and crawl into a hole in the ground. So we have that. And then we get this retreat. So Siggy outdoes herself when it comes to humiliating her foes where she seemingly throws this quickly just before this quickly just we have the meeting in the diner oh yeah where margaret has this quite authentic moment of being like i don't want to see you cry i don't want i don't want to make a girl cry but before that we get this hilarious joan rivers off where they like compete as to who knows joan rivers more (laughs) she's like i'm sorry saggy flick is fucking hilarious i'm I'm a comedian it's what i do i could have called a saggy flicker and then then siggy's like your timing sucks and then she's like oh my timing is great i'm I'm like joan rivers and then siggy's like well i think i'm more like joan rivers and then she's like uh saggy flicker is a joan rivers lad do do, do you know joan rivers i've been a million parties at her house i party with john john and joan rivers all the time (laughs) anyway sorry but it's one of those things where like siggy forgives her and we have this moment where in the housewives world that's where the soggy flicker argument should end it's where it has to end it It, has to it's run out it's gonna get disproportionate this time exactly and it's like a lovely ending and then at this pasta party or whatever at the new gorgo's restaurant siggy just decides she's not over it it's just one of those things where it's like and this is what happens all season, which is Siggy suddenly being like, no, I'm not over it. Like, I've, I've changed my mind. Actually, no, I was very hurt and I don't think it's authentic or whatever. And you can see Margaret just a bit stumped each time because she's like, didn't we do this? And she's like, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh. going into the retreat, we've had that weird thing that like they've already had an authentic moment and made up and then Siggy started it again. She started it seemingly before they even got to the retreat because on the way up, they're all looking at Siggy's Instagram and there's this like foreboding post of her again in cosplay, another one of her headshots where she's like in full like Braveheart cosplay. With, oh my like, God, yeah. Post. Being like aim true and or whatever. All, like, <laughs> forensically <laughs> dissecting it. Yeah, it's like who the, the, the target is. And then she's apparently just created this whole PowerPoint presentation about female empowerment, but it's done specifically to target and embarrass Margaret, who has no option but to just sit there and be like, and then we also get this soggy flicker merchandise for sale, which is so bizarre because not only has she just told us that it's a really traumatizing name and it takes her back to a very dark place, but she's profiting off of it, but she's exploiting a storyline that hasn't even aired yet. Yeah. So 
It's like all the other people who are there, they're like, what has this got to do with anything? <laughs> There's some real savvy there. You don't just make a load of merch overnight. Siggy must have been called Soggy Flicker. And like that night. And that very night picked up the phone and then put an order in. Which you can tell because the t-shirts also look shit. So it's like, like she put that order through fast. And she was like, I don't care what it looks like. Just get it done. Yeah. She she was just there with the glue gun. Maybe it's the same pyramid scheme woman that was like, okay, I can make make it 20 t-shirts. It's a racket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, oh my God, James, we've missed like one of the key things about this whole season. Danielle. We've missed the return of Danielle. I was going to say, I'm kind of bored talking about Margaret and Siggy now. I want to, let's let's change gears and let's get into the meat of it now. Danielle's back. She's back. She's back and she's She's glowing with like excitement that she's back on the show. She's made it. She's good on her. And you know what? I'm like near the end of season nine and that glow just doesn't wear off. She's just giddy. So giddy. To be there. And every time that there's a scene where she's there, she's like, I will be getting every, I will be squeezing every last drop. So it's like- She's juicing every scene for all it's worth. There's never a scene where she's not either saying something like awful to someone or like starting an argument out of nowhere, being someone's best, best friend and going way above and beyond what's like required as a friend or having a freak out and throwing a glass or like, like there is no in-between. Like There is no in-between with me. Oh, doesn't it feel good? Yes, it does, except she's slightly lost her cadence when she's back, I find. Well, I think what the I think the producers really messed up not making Danielle full-time. I'm, obviously, I'm biased because I think she's an impeccable... Oh, I love it because by not making her full-time, she massively overworks. <laughs> well, she overworks, and which is great, don't get me wrong. And I can see the casting process there, and that's what they wanted. Because I feel like in later iterations of The Real Housewives, it seems like casting gravitates towards more well-rounded figures as their main cast. And then they keep maybe the more outrageous provocateurs, the one-note housewives who provide all the antics as supporting cast. It's very like Marlo on Atlanta, or even like latter year Camille, or Kathy Hilton, maybe. Well, or like Kim D. It's like Danielle is basically Kim relegated yeah, to Kim yeah. D. She's basically a Kim D role. Yeah. And I think she certainly ups the ante and gives us all those antics. But for me, what truly makes Danielle sparkle are those scenes where she's home alone and she's she's talking to the dogs and to Jillian and Christine and she's and she's a little bit bored and she lets her imagination run away with her and we watch her talk herself into all these paranoid fantasies of like, do you think that maybe Kim D's a, a vampire? I, yeah. don't, I don't know. I just, I feel like she's maybe going to suck my blood. I'm, I'm going to get Danny on the phone and see if he can bring Van Helsing with me to the Brownstone. It feels like we used to have, like season two felt like Danielle's spinoff show that was just about Danielle. And it feels like yeah. now we've got her returning as like a guest character. And you're right. I miss the Danielle show. And that's where the cadence comes from. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas as a, I find Danielle really hard to watch actually on the show and her return because I find Teresa's strange sort of blind support of Danielle. I find it as infuriating as the Melissa Teresa rewriting history in that last reunion that it's like, it doesn't make any sense. And no, I'm just totally with Dolores on this one. When Dolores keeps being like, um, why are we conveniently forgetting who Danielle is? Yeah. And also who Danielle is continuing to show us who she is. And Danielle's just smart. She's worked out that if she just sticks up for Teresa, no matter what. Exactly. Yeah. She's her meal ticket. Then Teresa keeps being like, I don't get it. She's a really sweet person. And it's like, you know, you're just obsessed with this idea of blind loyalty in a way that 
look, Danielle's she's great TV, but she's insufferable. <laughs> oh, completely. She's also so gloriously bad at the show. Margaret's actually very good at the show. Like you say, she's got an authenticity and quite she's quite natural on camera in the same way that someone like Dorinda is. You really believe that they're just saying whatever comes into their head and like you believe that they're not that aware of the camera. Whereas mm-hmm. whenever Danielle's in a scene, you're so aware that they're being filmed because her like performance level is so heightened. Mm-hmm. She's just like a terrible actor. It's <laughs> when she makes her dramatic entrance the first time when they're having brunch, she knows exactly what she's doing and she knows it's going to be a dramatic entrance. Like she knows the music they're going to play. Like I genuinely like to think she did a Cape Fear and just like attached herself to the yeah. bottom of the airplane <laughs> and just. <laughs> I'm like hid in the bush, hid in the swamps of Florida for several days and waited for her opportune moment. And then she's like, it's now, it's now. And she's like, did anybody order me a Bloody Mary? I'm a little bit hungover. If you watch back seasons like four and five, it's like, where's Wally? You can actually spot her like trailing them. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but fuck, her hair is something else. It's dreadful. Yeah. It is awful. It's so ratty. So ratty. But also just, she, I tell you what, she looks the most like Joan Rivers. It's it's like, <laughs> she's got this strange thing where her, not to go in on someone's looks, but she looks a bit like one of the raptors in Jurassic Park. Like her face is like coming yeah. forward so much. But to be honest, Jersey generally, like all of their makeup makes me feel like sweaty. It's like so caked. Yeah. Anyway. None of that is particularly relevant. So Danielle's back. And the reason that was important was because at that retreat, Danielle is the one to actually correctly sniff out this thing that Siggy has slightly not only humiliated Margaret, but conveniently forgiven Margaret in front of everyone for her own career gains to show like, look, I'm a relationship expert and I practice what I preach. And through my work, I have forgiven this person. Yeah. And at the time I was like, no, I think that was authentic. And then by the next episode, you're like, oh, it was total bullshit. Yeah. And she's just like determined to hate Margaret. Yeah. And it's so, it's so telling that even with a cast that includes Danielle, Siggy is the most unhinged person. Yeah. Which is why I think I've really loved season nine because like Danielle has sort of re-secured her place. It's just like the the most awful. Because even though she is stirring up trouble between Dolores and Teresa, I don't know about you. I kind of believe that Dolores said it, but not in the way that Danielle's alleging. No, I think she'll have, I think it's like in season nine when she says, Margaret told me not to trust you and Melissa and Margaret's like no you said I don't know who to trust so I said so trust no one you're right yeah and I think it will be a similar thing where Dolores will have been like Teresa doesn't have time right now to worry about anything apart from like making money because she's bankrupt and broke and her husband's in jail and I think Dolores's level of reaction is like don't you dare twist that thing against my friend of 16 years and Dolores her response to Daniel saying that and the use of scumbag has become one of my favourite. It's up there with clip. Just like, welcome it's back. so good. Scumbag. 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 Sleep with one eye open because this one, she's up to no good. She's quite the wordsmith. I love her. I love when she uses in that one scene with Siggy where she uses the word perfunctory in a sentence and then was able to give an accurate definition of it. I, I, I was turned on. Mm. I was. She's a smart cookie. She's 
just great. And also I really respect that scene with her and Margaret where she goes out and she's... Dolores is very good at that because she does it with Jackie in the next season at like for all that everyone's like oh she's just sort of blindly loyal to whoever she's chosen she does give the floor to whoever that person has gone up against and listen and genuinely listen and genuinely mm-hmm. i think she's just incredibly fair even i have to say with the um i have to say with dolores's loyalty to siggy i actually don't find it very annoying i don't know why i don't find it maddening there's no strategy or anything to it i just think she thinks it's incredibly unethical to criticize her friends in public Mm. she's not like bending over backwards to sort of get into siggy's psyche there's plenty of times where siggy does stuff and it's a talking head of dolores going like listen i I don't know why siggy did that but you know i'm not going to criticize her i'm going to support her all the way yeah i wouldn't do it but it is what it is yeah and i kind of respect that But also, I think she's not getting what we're getting, which is quite so much the full picture of Siggy's forgiveness and then going back on it each time. I think Dolores Mm -hmm. thinks Siggy's just permanently annoyed, which would be more understandable as a friend. I think Margaret's confusion comes from she's almost being gaslit by Siggy because Siggy keeps kind of telling her it's okay and they're over it. Yeah. And then they're not. Again and again and again. It feels a bit like Carlton and Kyle's and like they make up and Siggy has like a bad dream about Margaret until it's all over again. It's very that. Siggy's just decided she hates Margaret and that's that. Yeah. I think we should pick one more thing to talk about because it is still going to be a bumper episode, but we just, we're just going to have too much to... Oh, okay. So what we else can't do, do we like, have to talk about? I think we should talk about the, the posh. Okay, let's talk about posh. Or the posh D fashion show, as Dolores calls it. <laughs> yes, exactly. So... Kim D's back again. Ugh. So this one is different this year. So this isn't just a run-of-the-mill posh fashion show. This is a charity benefit because Don't two laugh. men have been... I'm, I'm not laughing. Yes, you are. <laughs> sorry, no, it's not funny. It's just so Jersey. It's so Sopranos. Mm. Two men have... Sorry, no disrespect to any Jersey folk listening. It's not Jersey. It's very this world of Jersey. Mm. Two men have been found shot execution style in a burnt out car owned by Kim D. And she also happens to have a son who was not injured or harmed in any way, but she can find him for like four or five hours. So horrifying and terrifying. But also, why are they not following this woman around 24-7 with cameras? Yeah. As much as I love Dolores, I don't need to hear about her granite worktops anymore. Yeah, I yeah, want to exactly. be watching Kim D waltzing around New Jersey like she's Tony Soprano. Like, my yeah. God, the depths that this woman has. I, I love it. But it is also weird because we've got to a point where Kim D is exclusively kept on the show in order to just drop a bombshell every season. It's like they know that's what she's going to do. And we've had this strange rewriting of Teresa used to support that thing of being like that's what she heard that was kim's opinion whatever and suddenly now kim's like the devil right it's so strange because it's like they know every time that that's what's going to happen so it's an odd ingredient because every season they all have to act surprised at like a new rumor where it's like but we know that's why kim's on the show she's literally only there At least in the first two seasons, she seemed quite fair and quite... No, I will say this, or I will say that. Like, now she's literally just there to be some sort of strange Pixar villain. But it's so funny, especially Melissa's reaction, where it's like, oh, her again. It's like, she knows she can't get rid of her. Because she's a cockroach. She's a cockroach. You can't get rid of her. She has a bit of a Mary Cosby thing going on, where she seems to exclusively live in her closet and people just go and visit her at Posh. And then she like comes out, but once a year out of hibernation to go to yeah. the Posh fashion show. So this time, the only two people who will film with Kim D are Siggy and Dolores. And they go over to Posh 
Kim D loves incidentally calling people by their first initial after many years before going, I heard the big D's coming. The big D. (laughs) When Dolores walks in and she just goes, hello D to Dolores. (laughs) So Siggy and Dolores are walking in this fashion show Mm -hmm. and they're trying on potential dresses. And at one point, Siggy comes out in a dress and then she goes, is there any duct tape that can lift up my thigh? And then Kim D goes, she goes, yeah, the same fuck tape that lifts up your tits. I'm like, what's fuck tape? <laughs> and she seems to be drinking this like weird broth out of a massive plastic container. It's like the kind of container that you get if you're ordering ramen to go. Yeah. And she's just stabbed a hole in it and then put a straw in it. And then is like slurping through this straw the whole time. <laughs> and... Does she start? What's the new bombshell that she's talking about? Or is the it just new a, bombshell. The so last about- no, last year was about Joe cheating, and now it's I hear Teresa's seeing rekindling an old, flame. old flames, rekindling an old flame, yeah. and Dolores yeah. is doing her classic like, no, no, I don't think that's true. No, I don't, I don't think no. so. No, it's not true. No, I don't think. No, so. whereas Siggy no. in classic Siggy is a bit like, no, I don't want to hear this. I will say I am Team Dolores on this one, but I was very surprised at how. Uh, how stum she was when Kim D was talking about it. But what I've realised is she is like that about everything. I agree that at the time I kind of thought Dolores would get more heated, but I've yet to see Dolores get heated on anyone's behalf, except her own, really. I don't want to like jump ahead too much, but because this is only her second season, I don't think I fully appreciated how doggedly loyal she would be going into the following seasons. And I think had I known what I know about Dolores now, I would have been more shocked at Dolores getting quite indignant with Teresa when they have that meeting when Teresa says to Dolores that she thinks it's weird that Frank is moving in with her again. And then we get this talking head from Dolores saying, okay, she might think it's weird that she has this relationship with her ex-husband, but, you know, I think it's weird that Teresa was treated by Joe like shit. And it definitely yeah. has, it has shades of Dorinda going to Ramona like, yes. keep John's name out your mouth. Yes. Worry about Mario. Oh, that's right. He left you for someone else. <laughs> yes. You Good know? times. Good times. Oh God, I miss it. And I think if Dolores acted that way now in season 12 or whatever yeah. it is it would be such a seismic shift in the cast dynamic yeah you're right yeah. it is an odd time for that but it does mean that we get at the dinner where they decide to go to milan we get one of my favorite dolores moments it's just so greek and so epic when Teresa's like you should have defended me and dolores is like i as she's like getting up the table and she's like yeah. i did defend you when will it be enough what will be enough when will it be enough oh Completely. So good. I mean, how? where do you stand on this you cannot be friends with my enemy rule that apparently is now golden in Jersey? I think with this one, it's particularly odd because when it comes to Kim D, season after season, they all seem to insist on maintaining a friendship with Kim D when Kim D has said something bad. So Teresa did exactly this with Strippergate mm-hmm. of being like, well, she's my friend. When they were all going, but she's calling me a stripper. Mm-hmm. Or she's calling Melissa a stripper. And now exactly the same thing is happening where you get someone like Siggy going, yeah, but we have a friendship and we have an old... And everyone's like, but she's saying bad things about your friend. So this isn't the first time this has happened. And then we have this charity element where it's tricky because honestly, if it was just Siggy, I would probably fall on the side of thinking it was weird that they still walked in the show. 
And the presence of Dolores sort of tips it for me because I often come down on the same side of Dolores, but maybe that is maybe that sways me in a bad way. Like it makes me think yeah. that they're justified, but maybe they're not. I think it's one of those things, again, a bit like Kate Gate, that translates a certain way in real life, but translates in a completely different way on a reality show, where seemingly mm. it's frustrating because I, I think I've probably been guilty of this and been friends with people who aren't friends with other people. But apparently on this show, in this world, swinging from the extremes of calling someone a prostitution whore and a stripper to being bosom buddies is a less radical option than just keeping your head down and remaining neutral and maintaining constant, stable friendships despite occasional bumps in the road and differences of opinion. Yeah, it's weird. Apparently that is like the outrageous option. Exactly. I find it very strange with Teresa and Danielle that they always cut to the prostitution whore table flip. Considering I wouldn't call that bit the biggest bump in their friendship because that sort of seemed to come out of nowhere. With Teresa, I would put the footage of Teresa chasing Danielle through the country club. (laughs) That's like a much more active thing and they never talk about that. Well, they do, but they completely rewrite it. This whole scene, again, is so frustrating because we get Melissa. She doesn't seem to get the irony of rattling off all these vile things that she's been called over the years. But they've all been said by Teresa, who's like sat there going, Arr, with like, you know, like the emoji when people have like an eye and then some lips and then like another eye. It's just like completely like, Arr. and then we get Melissa and Danielle going, Kim D had me set up to get chased through a country club and have my Is hair pulled. By and Teresa. Like, yeah, by whom? Right. They're being so selective about these things and they're bearing a grudge against Kim D for the very same acts that Teresa was complicit in. Exactly. It's just very, it's, yeah, it's, it's really strange. Very strange. It's a great moment when Dolores is like, when is it ever enough? But the lead into it is so bizarre where Teresa just picks up a glass and just chucks it it's out. literally. Out Apropos of nothing. And she's glazed over. There's not a single damn thought behind those eyes. It's all muscle memory at that point. Totally. It's like she's just triggered into a set of behaviour where it's like, oh, we've got to this scene of the series where it's like yeah. someone needs to smash something. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And then just, <laughs> just chucks it. Doesn't say anything. Yeah, exactly. It's a very strange sort of dead dinner. But a dinner at which Adolf Hitler will make an appearance that will shatter the rest of the season. Oh, fuck. And So yeah, it will come up again and again and again. And again and again. In Milan. But yes, um, not Siggy, not Soggy. Um, Margaret is making the point to Siggy, like, well, Hitler would have would have not have killed me, but does that make him a good person? No, I don't think so. <laughs> and we just get this funny reaction shot that it always cuts to of Siggy going, hmm? <laughs> and that's all she said, because she's so shocked right now, but she lets it fester and fester for the next few weeks. But where we leave the women now is they decide... <laughs> to fester. I like the idea that we're going to leave them to fester for a week before we come back. What we're going to do, ladies, is we're going to fester for the rest of the week. And they decide that they're going to ambush Kim D and Siggy and Dolores at this posh fashion show. And Danielle says, she goes, we need to walk in there like Charlie's Angels, <laughs> plus one. And then just like points at Margaret, who's just sat there going, Ugh. Also with like the eyes, lips, eyes emoji. 
And then that I remember how much that made me laugh because it's very Danielle to cast herself because technically Danielle, you're the friend of in this situation. So technically, exactly. Margaret, yeah. Melissa, and Teresa are the Charlie's Angels. But I love that she's so determined to assert herself as the lead and as one of the leading players, and to be like, and Margaret, you can you can be our backup. It reminds me of that joke in Thirty Rock where they're like, oh, we're just like the Sex in the City girls. I'm Carrie, you're Samantha, and you're the lady at home who watches it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should uh, leave the ladies to fester for a week. It's a it's an appropriate state to leave them in, really, isn't it? It's a cliffhanger as they get into their Charlie's Angels costumes. Do we have any passing thoughts? I'm really enjoying season nine. I've been really enjoying Danielle being a bridezilla. It was inevitable, wasn't it? We knew it was going to happen. Oh, of course. It's like, I love that the show gave her the platform to do that. And I'm excited to go scurry away back to watching the cargo episodes i've been watching into your hovel and exactly are you gonna go back right now of course i am i might join you thank you for joining us this week on the housewives archives make sure to click subscribe so you'll never miss a show while you're at it we would really appreciate a rating and if you'd simply tell your friends about the show that would help us out too thank you for joining and we'll see you next time bye Bye.